0: Hey, welcome back. It's Barbara Guillen at com. I wish I had a different way every time uh, to open the show. I just, I like to switch things up, but I, I just haven't taken the time to be creative to think of a new way. But so I guess we'll just keep it consistent. Um, hey, I also wanted to ask, are we friends on Instagram? Because I love to post and share stuff on Instagram and I love to connect with people there. I actually have made quite a few friends on Instagram the gram. So if we're not friends, let's be friends. You can find me at Barbara gian. It's just the underscore before my name, but it's always in the show notes. And uh, I would love to be friends. All right. So last week we shared the episode or I aired the episode with my husband and him telling his story about his addiction with drugs and alcohol. And it was quite a story. But I told you also that I was thinking of doing a follow up. So that's what we're going to do today. Because I got a story too, with that whole situation that went on. So let's go ahead and get into that. It's honestly hard to even know where to begin. The thing that comes to my mind the quickest is when I finally realized what my husband was up to. For many months, uh, about a year, I thought all of this, you know, behavior and all of this weight loss and all of this, um, just this erratic behavior and everything that was going on I, I thought it was you know due to um, something else health related and, and he did have some of that going on as, as he explained but it wasn't it was mostly the drug use and so when I finally realized what was going on in the hell that he was causing our family because of it I got to a place of just being done and ladies you you can relate if you've ever reached that point where, you know, in a, in a marriage, in a long marriage anyway, there's a lot of times for many people where you just, you wonder like, is this going to work out or is this, you know, how long is this going to continue to go on this way? And things come up in your head, but there's still doubt. You're very unsure. You're uncertain. So you don't do anything. You just stay put and keep going. Well, I, I did go through that for many, many years, um, but when this happened, something just clicked. And I did seek counsel from my pastor at the time. I was just, I always want to be in good standing with God. I always want to do things the way that I'm supposed to. I want to make sure that I'm being obedient to God first and in a healthy way. And so I did go and seek counsel from my pastor and I just let him know the whole situation and was, you know, what was his, uh, what were his thoughts on me filing for divorce? Because I I was at that point, I was done. And ready to just end it and be done. And anyway, it ended up um, being something that I felt like I could do and that I was going to be okay. And so I filed for divorce and uh, things were just really, really bad during this time. Um, I, I can't, I was taking notes of everything because his behavior was just out of control. I remember I had switched my car or traded in my car. He bought me a Jeep a few years before moving here or a couple years. And I was so disgusted and done with him. I didn't want anything to do with him, even though you know, we're still living in the same home, we share everything we have as ours. But that was like one thing that I could do. So I took my car into the dealership, I traded it in, brought home a new car. And once he found out, he went ballistic. And he's never, ever, ever been the type to be physical or um, anything like that. But when I came home, when he found out, after he found out I bought the car, my room was in disarray. Like he tore up my room. And at this point, I had moved out of our bedroom and I was sleeping in the guest room. That was my new room. And he was in the guest room where, where I was, you know, now staying. And everything was a mess. And that was way out of character. So then I started to be kind of on heightened alert. Like now I know he's under the influence and, you know, anybody under the influence is not in their right state of mind. Uh, I remember my sister being pretty concerned about just something going really wrong. He is a gun owner and, you know, you just don't know. And it's it's a scary thing to go through when somebody's not in their right state of mind. So every day I felt like I was evaluating him, the situation, just kind of watching things as closely as I could and making the best decision for that day that I could. could. And honestly, I just want to say now, because I know that that whole time period is such a jumbled up blur. I remember so many things that happened, but the order may not be right because it just felt like it's just such a blur in my head with so much in such a short period of time, it really all this happened over a full summer. So my oldest was here, uh, on her summer break from college. And, uh, when, you know, I, I didn't feel like we were safe anymore with him in the house. He wasn't, he was no longer predictable and trustworthy. And so I did have to go to the courts and file for a restraining order and also for, uh, him to be forcibly, removed, um, get him out of the house. And so because he wasn't engaging with any of this going on, um, through the courts, everything ended up going in my favor. So, uh, the judge awarded me like a dollar amount. It was like almost his entire check. And I was like, yeah, because you know, addicts, they're just going to blow every penny anyway. So in a normal situation, of course, I would have, I would have been fair. But in this situation, I was like, yep, give me all the money. I'll take it. And I'll do something good with it, or, or hold on to it. And so, um, so he was. So once uh, I got the order for him to, you know, be removed from the house, uh, he wouldn't leave, and he wouldn't leave for the next two weeks. Officers did show up to the house. He barricaded himself inside of the home. It got so bad. This just came to mind that uh, the PG&E got turned off. And I refused to pay anything until he was gone. I wasn't going to make anything easy. Um, so I remember, oh, it was such a nightmare. Okay. So when I finally decided, like, I wasn't going to spend another night with um, my kids in the home with him, we just packed up what we could. We had a dog. Um, and I went to a hotel that accepted pets and that had, like, a, a I forget, I think it's like an extended stay. They have, it's more set up like a studio with a bedroom. And we left and we got to the hotel and there was no vacancy. And I remember this so clearly. Like this was the first time I ever felt just scared and so responsible. I had my three kids and a dog in the parking lot of a hotel six hours away from all family and all friends. We're here. We don't know anybody. The only people that I knew at this point were people I had just met at my job. So I wasn't going to, you know, go to them for anything. And I just remember standing there and my thoughts were just racing in my head. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have three kids and a dog right now. It was in the evening. I remember that also because that was another factor of like, okay, now we have, we're on a time crunch before it gets dark, before nighttime where I refuse to come back home. And, um, we ended up finding a similar hotel in a different city nearby. So we went there and at this point I was very low on money because he had blown all the money and he's never, ever been careless or irresponsible. He's always been an amazing provider and caretaker. And at this one point in time, the money situation was not good. And so um, it just so happened that Gabby, because she was here for the summer, she was helping. She was um, working for this lady. She was just helping her organize her home. And I hadn't met this lady, but um, Gabby was working for her. And Gabby happened to share what was going on. Uh, And the lady never met me before, doesn't know anything about me, told Gabby, I'm leaving to L.A. to go stay with a friend. You tell your mom you guys can stay here at my house. She lives right on the beach here in Oceanside. And so she was such an angel. I mean, I think we stayed at the hotel for a few days, if I can remember. And then we went to go stay at this, um, this woman's house, who is now just such a dear friend, um, we stayed at her house until he left. So there came a point where he, oh, he was without any, any electricity. And I came over one day. I, I had to grab something. I came over by myself. I left the kids behind. And I remember walking into the room, um, our former bedroom and I just, everything was blacked out. Everything was dark. He was, he had let his hair grow out. He was all sucked up. He looked like the devil. Like he was, everything was dark. Like I feel it was just, it was really a creepy, creepy time. Creepy look, creepy time, creepy feeling, everything. And, um, oh, and then we couldn't keep our dog, Leo, at the, at um, our friend's house. And so I, or I didn't want to anyway. So we ended up sending poor Leo five hours away uh, with Gabby's boyfriend, Kyle. So he was another saving grace. He took the dog and he took care of him for, gosh, I think it was the next month he had, or two maybe. He had him for a while. Um, And then eventually Gabby went back. No, Gabby was still with us when this next event happened. So then uh, there was a, I I actually don't know. I don't remember. Um, She wasn't with us when this happened. So Mia was 16 at the time. And she ended up um waking up one morning and having really terrible stomach pain. And long story short, it ended up being appendicitis. So she's in the hospital. I have Cruz, who's just a little guy. I think he was around eight or so. Eight or yeah. And I he was here with the dog. I was at the hospital. She was had to have the emergency surgery. I had to leave her alone at the hospital, come back, get Cruz. Uh, bring Cruz to the hospital. We stayed the night with Mia. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It was so stressful. And I just remember being so mad that I was in this predicament, um, with, you know, the kids. But now this next part, I cannot remember if it was leading up to him leaving the house or, or right after, because it was just so bad all around that time. But what it, what it is, is that, um, you know, after being with him for so long and not having a clue that he ever struggled, let alone did drugs, I, I just had no clue. Um, this was all such a shock to my soul. And it was something I felt like I had fought my whole life to stay away from and to not have anything to do with, and then to find out that the person closest to you is an addict. It was just, it was crushing. And, and if you've been in this situation, you, you can understand what I'm saying. It felt like a death. If I really felt like I was grieving my husband because I no longer knew him. And I really believed that I lost him like forever. Like he was, he was just so bad and he he just was no longer himself. And I remember so many nights just crying myself to sleep, praying and just feeling so just awful, just grieving. I know what grief feels like and I was grieving. um, And just heartbroken that I didn't know where he was. I didn't know what he was doing. It was more of a worry type of thoughts. Um, that I dealt with. I did go through a little bit of depression. I've never suffered from any sort of depression ever before. But I, I remember um, the one time, this is probably the only time I've ever felt like this either. It was just, I remember being at a stoplight, I was driving. And I had to suppress a lot of my crying because I don't like to cry in front of the kids. And I don't like to, them to see me upset. They knew, I'm sure, here and there. But I tried my best to just keep things together and, and be strong for them, and I remember being at a stoplight one time, and I just, um, I really felt like hope, I felt hopeless, it was the only time I ever felt like that, and it was kind of scary, because I'm like, just the thoughts going through my head were, what is the point of life, like what, because it was so painful, and I just had zero joy, and I just felt hopeless. Um, and I felt so bad, like I just, I wanted to help him, I hated knowing that he was going through this, and there was nothing I could do, it was completely up to him. Um, again, I can't remember at what point things happened, but I did also file a missing persons report because there was a time where for two weeks, because even throughout all of this, as bad as he was, he would still maintain some form of contact, and I would at least know he's alive. But there was one time where uh, I didn't hear from him for two weeks. And maybe that was the time when I felt like the worst. Maybe that was when it it would make sense that, you know, if that were so. Um, Because I just needed to know he was alive. And for the kids' sake, I felt so bad. Because it was hard to console them. Like, it was hard to explain anything to them, uh, their, their kids. I mean, Gabby and Mia were already a little older, but... Still, I remember the pain that I had as a child of an addict and my mom never abandoned me or left me, but I could only imagine because there were times, um, I, I think my sister mentioned this when I interviewed her, where my mom would go out, you know, just for like, go out for a night and she wouldn't come home until really early in the morning or late in the morning. And I remember feeling that worry as a kid and it's awful for a kid to, to go through that um, to go through any sort of worry for their parent. That's not, it's just not right. So I did my best to just kind of keep life as normal as possible and get through it. And then of course, fast forward to when he was in a, he finally ended up admitting that he had this problem and he was going to try to get help. And after a while of that, my best friend um, Elisa suggested that I pause the divorce and let him have time to kind of clear his mind and get straight and participate in the whole thing if that's the decision we were going to make that we should you know probably make it together so I thought that was a good idea and that's when he moved back in and you know we were not back together at all Um, it took probably a few months um, before we decided to try to work things out. And we saw that he was on the right path and doing, you know, everything in his power to just stay clean and sober and stay in recovery. And so um, I ended up going to some support groups, I think it was Naranon for me. And I, I only went for a short time. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty strong in my faith. And I always feel like that is my go to I just that's how I'm strengthened and that's how I get myself through every situation. And so I didn't stay in the naranon but I would highly recommend it for family of addicts because it was really good. It's a great source of support. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is my experience there. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I left out because so much happened, but I wanted to just kind of give my perspective, my side of things. And, um, I have such a heart for anybody experiencing this. Uh, we know of people, I know of people and it breaks my heart and I pray for you and I lift you and you are strong and you can get through this, but I know it's also not easy knowing how to respond, knowing what decisions to make, um, in, in a time like this, uh, with somebody that you love so much, and it could be anybody, you know, you, your child, your spouse, your sibling, just your friend, whoever, it doesn't matter. We all have a role to play, and we have to decide what that's going to be uh, during these situations or during these times. But um, all I can say for myself and what I know for what I believe for others is that God is good, and God shows so much mercy and grace, and uh, he never wants to lose us to anything, especially something like addiction. So bring it before him and give it to him, and um, I believe I just declare it that he's going to make everything right. So that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Um, I think, I don't think there's anything more that I want to add now, but maybe later if you guys have questions. Ask away, I'm happy to answer. And uh, until next time, you guys, take care of yourself. Be a blessing and be blessed. Hey, if you are ready to make shift happen, then I'm inviting you to be a part of my Made New Coaching program. You're gonna be transformed and elevated to your best self using my weekly instruction as your guide. We are not settling, people. Head over to barbaraguian.com, click the Life Coaching tab for all the details. I will see you over there.